Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Stacy, both of us encourage home cooks to make homemade stock whenever possible, since there's nothing quite like its deep, soul-nourishing taste. At the same time, we both know that it's not always realistic to do so. You can say that again, which is why we always have store-bought broth in our pantries. You cannot beat the convenience. But I've got exciting news. Thanks to Zoop Good, really good broth, there's a way to have convenience and that simmered all-day taste. Zoop Good, Really Good Broth is a premium line of broth that makes it easy to add rich homemade taste to even the quickest weeknight meals. It's a flavor-forward alternative to many of the packaged broths you find in the supermarket. That's so true. We've both done taste tests for work and can promise. Zoop Good, Really Good Broth is a collection of best-in-class, small-batch broths so delicious they're good enough to drink. And everyone is kettle cooked in small batches, as well as paleo friendly and completely free of artificial ingredients, preservatives, hormones, gluten, GMOs, fat, trans fat, and saturated fat. Woo! Their lineup includes a range of chicken, veggie, and beef broths, bone broths, and a brand new seafood broth and a spicy chicken bone broth that I cannot stop sipping on for a quick mama lunch. Visit zoopbroth.com or at Zoop Good Really Good on Instagram for recipe ideas. Zoop Good Really Good Broth can be found at many retailers across the country, such as Walmart, Sprouts, and Kroger, plus online at walmart.com and zoopbroth.com. Or order from Amazon and be sure to use Feed You Zoop 2, that's the number two, to get 20% off your order. There's certain cleaning that you do for hygiene and those are musts. Everything else that's not a cleaning for hygiene is more about do you need this to be clean so you can feel calm and in control. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids.
Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, make sure to subscribe right where you're listening this very moment. And if you find yourself with an extra second, it really goes that quickly. Hit those five stars and write us a review. All right, we'll take four too. We'll take four stars if we have to. No, you're going to gonna smash all five stars. <laughs> smash all five stars. Because we're going to tell you how to never clean your kitchen again. Yeah, we deserve it. <laughs> all right. This is an episode that has been requested, and it was really funny. I feel like, Megan, you mentioned this to our guest, Taryn, but we kind of resisted doing this episode because it was one of those things. I remember when I was in graduate school, there was a theory of expertise where the more expert you are at something, actually, the further you move from being a good teacher sometimes, because you automate so many things, so many steps in your process, and a new learner really needs to understand every single step. And that can be hard for an expert who just like does things very quickly. And I think cleaning as you go is something that you and I just both kind of do. Yes. I was <laughs> thinking ahead of this episode, I was like, Maybe I should set up my phone to like time lapse record me. Oh, when I do that for reels, do that because, for our reels on Instagram. Okay, I will. You're <laughs> Did gonna. I just it, put it, you on the spot. No, I'm just thinking. Wow, it's gonna be really revealing, but <laughs> revealing in a good way. Of like, there's so much stuff that we both do that we don't think that we do it because it's all muscle memory because we've been cooking and cleaning at the same time for so long. Yes, totally. Yeah. So we brought in an expert. We did. One other shout out is I feel like we had Kendra Adachi of the Lazy Genius on as a guest to help us lazy genius cleaning our kitchen. And still, even after that episode, people were like, okay, but no, really. Can you really tell us about how to clean as we go? (laughs) So (laughs) even if we didn't quite give detailed instructions with Taryn, we are going to answer that after our interview with her. So I think we should jump right in to talking with Taryn. Excellent. Taryn Williford is one of my colleagues at Apartment Therapy in a Kitchen. She is a writer, editor, content strategist, and homebody who writes about cleaning and living well as the lifestyle director at Apartment Therapy. If you're an Apartment Therapy newsletter subscriber, Taryn might have helped you declutter your apartment, or maybe you know her from the Pickle Factory Loft on Instagram. So I'm really curious. What does cleaning as you go look like for you in your home kitchen? Well, first of all, I'm not surprised that both of you feel like this is intuitive because I feel like being someone who's good at cleaning as you go has a lot to do with how confident you feel when you're cooking in the kitchen, how good you feel, like how fluent you are with cooking because I am not. (laughs) So for that reason, it's like, okay, this is something that I personally struggle with. I write a lot about cleaning. I know a lot about cleaning. That doesn't mean that I'm a perfect human being about it. And I'm not that great at cleaning as you go. I think I struggle because if you're not fluent with the things you're cooking and how long things take, you can't reasonably manage your time in relation to cleaning at the same time. Like if you don't know how long things take to cook, you can't also plan to clean things in the middle of cooking things. So it's this really big symphony that has to happen. And it's, it's not easy. If there's somebody out here thinking it's really hard, it's very, very, very hard to be really good at this. And it comes with being both a good cook and a good cleaning 
person. So that said, <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> cleaning as I go in the kitchen, um, for me, it's something I do better when I'm cooking something that I'd cooked before that I know how to cook. And it starts with me just thinking through what I'm cooking. If I'm following a recipe, reading the entire recipe, (laughs) if I'm cooking something that I know I've cooked before and I'm not necessarily following a recipe, I'm thinking through it and doing a lot of cooking prep at the beginning. I think that's the key to cleaning as you go, because when you're following a recipe, recipe writers are so good at making sure that you're efficient. They're like trying to translate their cooking fluency to you. Totally. So they're going through and saying, okay, while this is simmering, chop this. By the time you're done chopping that, you're ready to put this thing in the oven. While that's roasting, why don't you make your dressing? And it's like the chopping, the dressing, do that in advance so that when the recipe writer tells you to go do the chopping or the dressing, you're cleaning instead. It's true. I'm thinking about how many times I do semicolon, set aside, period. (laughs) In the meantime, comma. Exactly. Exactly. And like, if you're good in the kitchen, you just know, you know how these things go. And if you're not so confident in the kitchen, it's challenging to find those pockets of time to clean. So you really have to build them for yourself. That sort of like revolutionizes how I think about writing recipes now. I'm like, ooh, can I build in advice about cleaning things or reusing things? I would love that. I would love if I was reading a recipe and somebody was like, hey, while that's simmering, why don't you clean the pot? We're done with that. (laughs) Yeah. You're done with that pot. Because if somebody's not contextualizing that for you, you don't know, am I done with the pot? Am I done with the cutting board? It's hard. Yeah, I think that's great. And I also, I'm thinking about my husband who just recently started cooking a night a week for the family. And every... I actually have been thinking about whether or not I want to roll back this division of labor because (laughs) every time I am done with dinner and he's cooked, it's like a bomb went off in the kitchen. And I'm like, (laughs) I wish I had just cooked dinner. Like, that's more fun and easier for me, even when on nights when I don't feel like it. This is a, a disaster that I have to clean up. And I think a lot of it is him watching things cook, too. You know what I mean? Like, when I sear a steak... I put it in the pan and I know that I don't have to think about it for the next, you know, six minutes or something like that. And if I've lost track of time, my nose can smell when something's starting to burn. I'm like, oh, wait, that's not right. You know, and I can just click my cooking brain off and be like, okay, like, let's clean up this pot. Let's wipe this down or whatever. He doesn't know that. And he's sitting there watching the steak and fussing with it and like, I don't know what, you know. So that really is so smart. I think that as recipe developers, we can help, Megan, like you're saying. And also, though, I do think a lot of it comes down to confidence and knowing, like, just leave the food. You can go do something else right now, you know, Mm -hmm. in like two minutes. Yeah. I also want to say, is it confidence and or is it sometimes personality type? Like, Brian doesn't care if the kitchen is clean or dirty before he starts, whereas like. I think it's it's critical that like the the sink kind of like be cleared. Maybe the dishwasher is unloaded so I can put dirty things in it. And that's just like a li- maybe a little bit my personality type of like I want things to be <laughs> cleaned up before I get started. And he doesn't care when he cooks. So I think there's also a case for some people like not really minding that there's other chaos around them while they cook. Totally. 
Totally. And I think, you know, clean as you go is this thing you'll hear people say, and I'm sure I've written it before too. Like everyone should do this. That's not necessarily true. If you know that cleaning as you go is going to distract you and you're going to burn something, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not, there's certain cleaning that you do for hygiene and those are musts. Everything else that's not a cleaning for hygiene is more about, do you need this to be clean so you can feel calm and in control? That's great. Do you think that there's like kitchen organization or kind of like deep cleaning things that those people who don't want to clean as they go can do during other parts of their day, other parts of their week that actually better set them up for success when they do go to cook? Definitely. I think a lot of people, when they're thinking about kitchen organization, are looking at the inside of their fridge. And I want it to look like Instagram and I want it to look beautiful and I'm buying bins. But if you're thinking more about the way you're organizing your food and not as much about the way you're organizing your cleaning supplies in the kitchen, I'm not surprised if you're not a clean as you go person because like you need the dish soap to be where you need it. You need the scrub brush to be where you need it. It should be as easy to grab as the onion that you're grabbing for dinner. So if you're not thinking about that stuff, think about that stuff. You know, don't make sure, make sure the space under your kitchen sink isn't just like a jumble of cleaning supplies and that you have everything you go. And that, that actually, there's, there's such a great analog that I definitely wanted to get into with y'all, which is mise en place. It's something you do for cooking. Yep. You set out all your ingredients. You might prep things. You can do that for cleaning too. If you know you're going to clean a cast iron pan tonight as part of dinner and you have a tool you love for cleaning your cast iron pan, why don't you make sure it's in the kitchen? That's so easy. So easy to do. I think also there's something about ingredients. Like part of cleaning isn't actually scrubbing things and soaping things. Part of cleaning as you go is like, oh, if I'm going to grab the cumin from my pantry, I'm gonna, I should put it back right after I'm done using it. So I think just making sure that all of those ingredients are also easy to grab and easy to put away, that everything has a home, can help you as you're kind of doing that cooking cleaning symphony at the end of the day. That's so smart because I do, I am someone who I love to clean and I'm pretty intense about it, to be honest. My people. (laughs) I've also come to realize though, I used to be someone who loved to clean, but I wasn't that great at organizing. And I've come to learn that being organized and having a system, which is something that I would be moving too fast to like want to deal with coming up with, be like, it's fine. Like, you know, I used to be one of those people that like, as long as you don't see it and everything looks clean, like, you know, within my eyesight, I'm happy. And then you open a closet and like falls out. And like, I realized that having a system and taking that time to stop and organize is such a critical part of feeling like everything is where it should be, everything in its place. It's about feeling calm is what it's really about. Getting back to what Megan was saying about her, you know, her personality. It's about like knowing what works for you and feeling really good in your space. And this is something we say about cooking all the time. Like if you drink, pour a glass of wine, put on some music, have your spices Mm -hmm. organized, and then make sure that every time you cook, it isn't a jumble again. Like if those are the things that matter to you, getting yourself set up to do them is really important and totally ups the joy quotient when you're in your kitchen. Completely. And I mean, if cleaning is important, work the cleaning supplies into that like space setting exercise that you're doing. Yes. I oh, There's something also that you said, Taryn, that made me think 
There is something too to choosing the correct tools for the task at hand that mm-hmm. also makes cleaning easier. Not just cleaning tools, like you were talking about, you know, your cast iron tools, but also like using your nonstick pan to cook eggs rather than trying to use your stainless steel steel skillet. So you're not spending tons of time later having to clean that skillet that wasn't the correct tool for the job. Or like getting out the wrong size cutting board and realizing, ugh, this is not enough room for me to like have all my little piles of chopped veg. And now I have to get out another tool to like corral all of that. So there is there really is something to what you said before about like reading through the recipe, recognizing what tools you need and thinking through like, okay, I'm going to have a lot of prep here. So I might want to get a tray and line it with parchment paper to move those things too so that I'm not dirtying tons of bowls in the process too. Mm-hmm. God, you just made me imagine a future where a recipe was like, grab a cutting board. It should be about this big. <laughs> like that oh would be goodness. such a Could help you imagine? Yes. And even being like, you can put this away now. You won't need it again. Yes. Would be so, so helpful. Uh, the future that would look like. We should yes. all aspire to it. <laughs> Taryn, so let's get down to some brass tacks here. How can we implement small cleaning chores in other parts of our week so that we can actually enjoy being in our kitchens while we're cooking? This is such a great question. And my immediate instinct was to channel something called trigger cleaning or habit stacking. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever heard about this. There are several people who've written about it. I am definitely. It is not my idea. But it's this idea that you take these, these parts of your day or parts of your week that are either really well-ingrained habits or almost compulsory. So think about something like taking out the trash. Nobody tells you when to do that. You're not like, I feel like taking out the trash today. You're like, this trash can is full. It's time. So taking something like that that has to happen or that you're really good at making it happen and adding on a habit that you want to try. So if you're taking out the trash every couple of days, that might be also a good time to mop the floors in your kitchen. Like, it's really easy to build in these habits to things you're already doing. Another one is like the dishwasher. You know, you run it when it's full. Maybe maybe this is just me. I run it when it's full. <laughs> I don't know. It's every few days or so. I just live with me and my husband. But, you know, when I'm doing the dishwasher, it's like, okay, maybe now's a good time to scrub the sink so the sink is clean. So I like finding those little moments where you have these triggers and they're going to be different for everyone. It's based on your lifestyle. But as you're going through your day, recognize those things that you're already good at or that you feel like you have to do and see if you can stack another want to habit on top of those. I think that's that's really intense. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, trigger cleaning. That sounds really intense, but it's so (laughs) easy. Is there one spot in the kitchen that you wish people cleaned more, Karen? I want to be like a little bit shamed right now. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? Yeah. Tell us. What are we doing wrong? <sighs> okay. So I don't like shaming. I am somebody who thinks that cleaning, again, besides the hygiene aspect of cleaning, so when we're concerned about germs, making sure that we're healthy, making sure that we're not harming people, that people aren't getting sick. Everything else is do what you feel like doing. That said, there is there is one kind of hidden thing, I think, in people's kitchens that can be harmful but doesn't seem like it is. And that's anywhere where water is just chilling. 
So if you're looking at your coffee maker and it has a water reservoir, your water bottles that, you know, you just kind of lug around all day and there's water in them and maybe it sits overnight. Those things are like secretly bacteria machines. (laughs) So those areas, I think, (laughs) I wish people would think about where the water is. You know, like I know your fridge is terrifying and nobody wants to like open it up and look at that stuff. But, you know, if there's water going through your fridge mechanisms, read the manual, figure out, am I cleaning this the way the manufacturer wants me to as often as I need to? Those kind of like hidden things I wish people paid more attention to. And again, I'm not great at this. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to be pious about it. Like, I'm not great at this. So you yeah. do as much as you're and, capable of. Uh, one that I just realized recently is our dishwasher stopped working well. And we almost got someone to come in and service it. And then Mike was like, wait a minute. Have we ever, because cl- he had the manual out. Like, have we mm-hmm. ever cleaned it? It says here we have to clean it. I don't remember, but it was like some <laughs> period of time. I was like, we have not cleaned this in like since we got it probably (laughs) yeah and we just did we followed the instructions in the manual and we were like oh my god everything's so sparkling clean (laughs) like who knew we just needed to like give it a little love and do like a little bit of maintenance it's really criminal they put that stuff in the manual and you're like i won't read this i know (laughs) can they not put it on a sticker like inside the dishwasher (laughs) they can put the serial number there I feel like I wouldn't read that either, to be honest. <laughs> so what are the things? Let's get like a little bit practical here. Like the fridge, the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. We're learning. Like how about, is there anything you should do with your garbage disposal or your oven? Yeah. So garbage disposals are so funny because I think people think of them as this big mystical thing. It's like this little machine under your sink that just grinds stuff up. So it's almost like a little cheese grater that's just grinding all your stuff up and sending it into the water. So I think understanding what that is and how it works can help you when you're cleaning it. I think the best thing about garbage disposal maintenance is just trying not to put things down the garbage disposal that you don't have to. Like, don't rely on that instead of just throwing something into the compost or into the trash. I just had a long debate with my husband about this because he threw gloppy oatmeal down there. And I was like, I don't think you're supposed to do that. And he really wasn't appreciating my micromanaging. So he looked it up. It really does seem like there are some updated tips and guidance on what you can throw down the disposal. And besides like onion skins and banana peels, you can throw a lot down there now. But it was really good to have a little bit of a refresher. I have to say, as someone who doesn't have a garbage disposal, one of my favorite products, and I feel like this worked well even when we had a garbage disposal, are these little OXO like grain protectors that they catch everything, but they're the like catch part is soft, like silicone. And so you can literally like pop it out into the trash. And that saves us on a lot of the like debates about what can and can't go in the, the down the sink drain. That seems like a lifesaver. It really is. And they, they come in a two pack and they're like very inexpensive. We'll definitely link to them in show notes. But Stacey, I was laughing because I was imagining like what the sound of wet oatmeal is. It's very like, because you know how oatmeal after it sits, like becomes like a block, but it's still weirdly soft. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Wait. So Megan, you bringing up your lifesaver tool. It's one of my favorite. Yes, it is hands down one of my favorite tools. 
Okay. I want to hear from Taryn. What are some lifesaver cleaning tools or products that you think every kitchen should have? This, to me, this is really basic, but I go to friends' kitchens. Maybe they're just better at hiding theirs than I am. I keep a pan scraper right next to my sponge. And I think when I'm doing dishes, I'm using the scraper just as much, if not more, than I'm using the sponge. So I think if you're just like grabbing a sponge first thing and you don't have a scraper, get one. They're great. The other thing is a razor blade. Ooh, talk to us more. (laughs) This is one of my favorite cleaning tools. And you can get a razor blade handle thing. Like it sounds intimidating. It sounds scary, but they make these for cleaning tools and you can almost get them. A lot of glass cooktop kits will have these because they're great for cleaning glass cooktops, but it's literally just a scraper razor blade. And I use that thing all over my kitchen. If there's a spill or something that I've let dry on, whether it's on my counters, on my glass cooktop, this happens a lot in inside of my fridge. Once it's glued on there, whatever that thing was that I spilled that I didn't notice that I spilled at the time, you know, I could grab a cleaner and a rag and I could wipe that spot 10 times or more, but it's so easy to just grab that razor blade and pop it right off wherever it is and then clean under it. So I think a razor blade is a really great tool that I don't see in a lot of people's cleaning kits that should be. That feels extremely satisfying. And I'm just imagining all the parents of little, little kids who like food is getting everywhere and in little nooks and crannies of high chairs, like how revolutionary and satisfying that will be for them. I want to know Stacy's favorite cleaning tool because she does love to clean. I do love to clean. I don't know that I have a favorite cleaning tool. I'm really into my, they're the reusable Swedish paper towels. Yeah. They're made of sponge cloths. Yes. I love mine. I throw them in the washing machine. (laughs) They come out all like stiff and weird and then they get soft again when you wet them. I use them all the time because I used to be a paper towel fiend because I was always wiping up after myself. I don't know what else. Just like, I, honestly, a good sponge and those reusable paper <laughs> towels. I've been curious about some new cleaning products because I've been trying to go more natural. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the natural cleaners, I'm just not. I don't know if it's like the Greek grandmother in me. Like when I would walk into her her house, my grandma, it smelled clean. And basically, it's like <laughs> smelling chemicals. But I was like, mm, clean. <laughs> Yeah, it's like bleach and pine yes, salt. That's what my totally, mom always used. Totally. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just how I've been kind of indoctrinated in cleaning or if I'm right that a lot of these natural products don't have the same kind of power and oomph behind them. But now there are all these direct-to-consumer cleaning subscription things. Like, I don't know, clean cult yeah. comes to mind. Or like, yeah, or like the tabs where it's like you get these beautiful glass yes. bottles and yes. then you dump the little chemical tab in there. Yeah, I'm curious how effective those are too, Taryn. So I'm wondering if you can have speak you given, to any of those. Yeah, have you given them a try? Yes, I love these things and I've tried so many of them. Like you said, there's so many brands doing this and I don't necessarily think that any brand is doing it better than another. They're all great and they have different pros and cons, but it's, I'm really into the cleaning concentrates because like you said, it's so eco-friendly and sustainable. When you think about how, you know, I'm not going to project onto people. When I think about how I used to clean, I would go to the grocery store, buy a plastic bottle of something and use it until it was empty. Or, you know, even more modern times, I might have that plastic bottle shipped to me 
from across the country or across the globe. And then when I run out, I buy another plastic bottle and the entire sprayer. And when you think about how much material there that doesn't need to be there, you start to realize, yeah, why can't they just send me a little vial of the magic juice that they put in here? Because you'll hear it. Cleaning supplies are mostly water. And that's true. Things need to be diluted. So those cleaning supply companies, whether they're pressing it into a dry tablet or sending you a little vial of a liquid cleaner, it's the same as a lot of the store-bought stuff you buy. I think what's different is that these new cleaning companies, in response to public opinion and public feedback, are getting away from fragrances. They're getting away from so-called toxic cleaners. I'm using air quotes right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that's due to a lot of public opinion about who, you know, what do I want to use in my kitchen, around my family, around my pets. Only you can decide what you're comfortable having in your home. It's, you know, reducing these fragrances isn't necessarily better. It's better for some people. It might not affect you. So I think it's good to dig in and do a little bit of research and and pay attention to the things you're cleaning with and how you react to them, both emotionally Stacey, like you said, like, oh, I like that (laughs) smell. I want that. And also think, like, have I not been sleeping well lately? Is that because I introduced a new cleaner? Am I, like, breathing something in that I shouldn't be breathing in? I'm not a doctor. I can't help you with that. But pay attention to those things the same way you'd pay attention to the things you're eating or the things you're bringing into your home in any way. I like this idea in general because I feel like you know, cleaning is one of those things where I feel like people feel judged. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like the idea that you wouldn't invite someone over or, you know, back in the day and hopefully soon again when, you know, impromptu entertaining. There's like this two prong thing. One is the food that you put out there and feeling like it has to be like presentable in some way or, you know, impressive. And then also like my house is a mess, like my house is a mess and constantly apologizing for that. But I think just thinking about what matters to you, like for Brian, starting with a clean kitchen doesn't matter. For you, it does. I actually just thought of my favorite cleaning tool and it's for the kitchen and it's kind of weird, but I hate dirty floors. So Mm -hmm. a handheld vacuum, we had one in our laundry room, which was on the second floor. I moved it downstairs and it's just literally like plugged in a random spot doesn't make me aesthetically happy. (laughs) But I love that I can just grab it after I cook every single night and do a quick, I call it a zip zap. My kids laugh at me. (laughs) Like I can do a quick zip zap of my floor. Like that's what makes me happy. That makes me feel like my kitchen is cleaner in a way that matters to me. So just kind of reflecting on what matters to you, both in what products you choose and where you choose to spend your energy, because we're all tired. Yeah. Okay, I have one more question, and I feel like it's actually kind of a loaded question or like a heavy question. Uh oh. <laughs> so I want to make sure we have plenty of time for it. I was thinking about, well, you know, Stacy saying that Brian doesn't care about the the kitchen being clean, but he does care about the floors. And I had a <laughs> moment last weekend where there had been something like simple syrup or cocktail syrup or something that spilled in the fridge from like the back of the top shelf all the way down and like underneath Uh. the the produce drawers. And (laughs) I had this moment where when I was like cleaning it out, using my pan scraper to like scrape the sticky stuff off the back of the fridge where I was like, how come I'm the only person who thinks about cleaning the fridge? And I was kind of complaining to everyone about it. We've also talked a little bit on Didn't I Just Feed You Before about the, the idea that there's like a lot of mental load 
like Mm -hmm. unseen work when it comes to feeding our families and meal planning. So I'm curious if you've found anything that works for you. It doesn't have to be like universal advice that you feel like will work for everyone that helps distribute the mental load of cleanup and cleaning as you go and organizing for you and your family that other people can also use. Like what can we do to sort of lessen the mental load, especially because this is what you do for work. So I'm assuming that there's some like onus on you in your house to do all those tasks and you know what needs to be done more than anyone. This is so funny. And I, I love this question. My husband and I, JR, he, we talk about this a lot. It's almost, I, I relate it to the chef who comes home and doesn't want to cook. I am the the cleaning editor who comes home and doesn't want to clean. He's like, but you know how to do this better than I would. I'm like, yeah, but I don't wanna. (laughs) So like, (laughs) there's definitely a balance that needs to happen. And I feel so blessed. JR is great and he chips in so much around the house. I know not everybody has that same benefit. I think first and foremost, you need to understand that people have different priorities, you know, different standards for cleanliness. This is just based on empirical observation. I think some people notice messes more than other people do. You know, you might actually have live with somebody who has blockers, who doesn't see the same thing that you see. Uh, um, um, <laughs> this resonates. <laughs> so I think it's a matter of having conversations with those people. And I'm sorry to be like, oh, the answer is a conversation. But like, it always is. Um, it's... it's <laughs> Sitting down with these folks, whether it's like your partner or a child or somebody else that you live with, as much as you can have these conversations and say, you know what? This bothers me. It bothers me in this way. Does it bother you? Try to understand their perspective too, because I've found this is true. You know, just because you're the cleanest person in the house doesn't mean that you're correct about everything. I think you can stand to learn a lot from your partner in regards to letting messes chill sometimes. I've I've learned through living with JR for 10 years, I have learned to be so much more laid back about so many things, but also cleaning. And we've had these conversations where I'm like, can you clean this? And he's like, you know what? It doesn't make me feel great when you're constantly telling me to clean this thing. I'm like, you know what? You're right. And it's more important to me that we get along than that the counter is spotless every hour of every day. So I think it's just like going through those motions, having those conversations and managing those things and understanding that if you're the cleanest person in the house, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're 100% correct or that that needs to be everyone's priority. I'm taking this as a personal commentary, Taryn. And <laughs> <laughs> not it's sure me. if you meant it that way, but... <laughs> no, this is, this is entirely me <laughs> reflecting on my own self because these are things that I have had to deal with. Well, we are 100%. clearly cleaning soul sisters because <laughs> I can deeply relate working through my issues here quietly on the other side of the mic. <laughs> I'll just share one thing that has actually worked for us because I always say, oh, Brian's such a Virgo in the way that he cares about stuff being Mm -hmm. picked up, like visibly clean versus actually being cleaned and efficient or organized, which is sometimes I just have to acknowledge what he's saying and also like give him a timeline. So, for example, Mm -hmm. he might be like, oh, my gosh, the floors are disgusting. And I'll be like. I see that. I see that they could be vacuumed. Right now for today, I have this deadline I'm trying to meet and we have these activities with the kids. I don't want to say I say I promise, but I'm like, I am planning to take care of this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that that just like helps set expectations too. Like he does have ADD and ADHD and he can see something and like immediately have to take care of it. And I'm such more like pragmatic where I'm like, okay, but I have to do X, Y, and Z first before I can get to that cleaning task. And I think just like you said, being in conversation, even if it's not these like big heavy ones where it's like, I'm going to list out all the things that I clean and you don't clean and you don't see, but having like minute to minute conversations where it's just like, hey, this is important to me. When can we take take care of it? Yep. It's really helpful. I think also taking responsibility too. So Mike cleans dinner every night, like the whole nine yards because I've cooked, but I would wake up the next day and be annoyed at the fact that the counters hadn't been wiped down. And so I just realized I need to take responsibility for that. This is not major. <laughs> Darren, it's like you're saying, I'd rather just have peace. Yeah. So I asked him to amend his process because he used to be like, let's relax. I'll clean up after the kids go to bed. And now I've said, actually, I want to be able to clean the counters. And that means getting everybody's dishes off the counters first. Mm -hmm. So immediately after dinner, you know, he and the kids get all of the, you know, glasses and plates into the sink so that I can wipe down the counters. And then everybody sits down. I'm done for the night. Mike can do the rest of the cleaning late after the kids go to bed. That's up to him. And it's like this whole new process that works. But totally. partly it took me saying, this matters to me. I'm just going to do it myself. And having him be flexible around that because I can't just take on another thing without him being flexible and creating some terms that work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know I if it's that. childish, but JR and I do this thing where we just call it deal time. And like, it's just so silly and transactional, but it works for us where it's like, okay, deal time. If you do the dishes right now, (laughs) I will do this other thing that I know you need me to do. Like I will print out my W-2 for you, (laughs) which is a real thing that happened. It's like, I will do that if you do this. And we just go, great. And like, it works. And that's how kind of a relationship should work. But we're not naturals at it. So we have to do that deal time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people talk enough about how relationships, especially long-term relationships can be sometimes transactional. And that's sometimes the work that makes those relationships work, especially when you're together 24 seven, as we are right now. Taryn, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time today. This was so fun. Okay, Megan, Taryn is amazing, so helpful. I feel like her advice and her approach is very, didn't I just feed you, where it's really non-judgy. It's really about like reflect and figure out what's good for you. Like you don't have to do it all. Like don't stress it so much, which is all well and good. (laughs) But as you said at the top of the episode, everybody really just wants to know how to clean it. Like, (laughs) yeah. And actually, it's really interesting how having someone with an outside of food perspective, so having Taryn who has like a cleaning perspective, talk about it does sort of unlock that expert level that you were mentioning where it's like, oh, actually, there are really concrete things that I do that help me clean as Yes, right? Which I know is the same for you. Yeah. yeah, So what are your like top three things? It's Wednesday night. It's dinner time. It's already been a crazy day. What are you doing to make your cleanup easier while you cook? Okay. So some of these, I bet we have some overlap. For sure. I definitely think that 
though I don't always do it, reading through the recipe is key. Because even as an expert cook, sometimes if I pick up a recipe and then, you know, I think that I've chopped all the vegetables and I put the cutting board directly into the dishwasher and then it's like, and now finished with chopped cilantro. It's like, oh crap, I forgot about that. And I have to like take it out and rinse it. So definitely looking through the recipe and you don't have to analyze it, people. This is just like a quick glance to have a sense of the what your workflow is going to be is super helpful. I keep my dishwasher open while I cook, and that really is space dependent, I realize. That may not be practical for everybody. You might like hurt your shins a lot, depending on where it's placed. But by keeping it open, I feel like I have a tendency to go straight from using something to quickly rinsing it and putting it straight into the dishwasher. Once I drop something into the sink, like that's that. You know what I mean? Like dropping something into the sink, having to open the dishwasher, pull out the rack. That's like three steps, even though it takes three seconds, that feels extra and like I'm not going to do in the like Three steps too many. Right. It's like cooking is a fast paced thing. So, you know, and, and I think mentally it is, even when it actually isn't, it feels like it is. So just keeping my dishwasher open is really, really helpful. I'm big on clean counters and I keep that reusable paper towel, Swedish paper towel thing that I was talking about with you and Taryn. I keep it right next to me and I'll even just like quickly lift my cutting board, wipe the counter, put it back down and then do my next task. So it's interesting though, because that's a clean as you go thing when in fact at the end you could wipe down your counters and you get the same result. For me, that's more of a mental thing of feeling organized and not feeling like there's chaos around me so that I can like be in a groove with my cooking. So, but I will say, I think there is something to, and I don't know how to translate this very well, but like when there's already a mess, it almost gives you like carte blanche to be messier. Like you yeah. feel chaotic. And so you just add to the chaos. And and for me, that's why I prefer the kitchen to be picked up just to a point before I even start cooking. But I can see how like the counter translates to that too. Like if you have little scraps of like sweet potato and those little pepper seeds, like in your way, it's kind of like, forget it. I'm just going to let it be chaotic until everything's cooked. But then you have like all the dishes from cooking and those messes on the counter. Totally. Stuff that needs to go in the compost or in the trash right there too. Totally. You know, and it's like the mise en place with your cleaning supplies, like having that, you know, reusable paper towel ready to use right next to me. Another thing that I do is I set up a plate next to the cooktop so that anytime I, you know, if I stir the soup or whatever it is, like I flip the chicken breasts, I put the dirty spatula spoon, whatever cooking utensil right onto the plate. Because if a plate isn't there, I'll just like plop it down onto the counter because you're moving fast. You just need to put it down. And then that makes the counters dirty. The plate is the only thing that gets dirty. And then I just pop that right into the dishwasher at the end. So just like having a place. And, you know, people use spoon holders for that reason. But a spoon holder just holds the one spoon. You know, maybe I've prepped a whole bunch of stuff in prep bowls 
or I have a measuring cup of lemon juice, you know, like everything can get just put onto this big plate and it just kind of contains all of the dirty utensils that I'm quickly using as I cook. Yeah, I actually really love that. I was going to rag on you for a minute and be like, so a spoon rest? <laughs> I know, no, it's, it's on purpose. <laughs> but it is smart because you can only fit one yeah, or two exactly. spoons maybe in a spoon rest where like a plate or maybe use a quarter sheet pan or for me, I have like a really big cutting board. So there's sort of a sliver of it that's designated for utensils to live yeah. on. That really helps save you a lot of cleanup at the end of the day where you're like, it's not soup and sauce everywhere. It's in this one concentrated area, whether you wipe that down or you can put it in your totally. Or the so cilantro I do. I love that. leaves that are like that clung to the outside of the prep bowl that are going to fall on your counter. Like it just yeah. all goes on the plate. So definitely having a bigger surface. Also, I don't like a lot of clutter. I don't want a spoon holder that's clean on my counter in between cooking meals. <laughs> Right. So like, you know, the plate goes away with all the other plates and then it comes out right before I start cooking. Yeah, those are great. How about you? Okay, I think there's something funny about you being like, I don't like a lot of clutter when you're like our maximalist. And I think sometimes more things on the counter are helpful to clean as you go. And I claim that I'm the minimalist. I was thinking a lot about the idea of mise en place and how things that chefs know, right? Like chefs are not reaching into their cabinet every time that they need olive oil or salt or butter or even like a tasting spoon. So I think there's a little bit of thinking about how your kitchen is organized and set up before you're even reading recipes, before you're ever cooking, that actually helps you clean as you go because you're not like opening up every cabinet with a dirty hand or you know, you're not like digging around for your olive oil when you're like in the middle of cooking and then something burns and you're just creating more mess that way. So I think the idea of having like a little station set up for yourself, for me, it includes my olive oil, two kinds of salt, basically just a little cocktail cup filled with small demi-toss spoons, which sound fancy, but they're like oftentimes included in a set of silverware. And they're just like little tiny spoons. I use those for tasting or like dosing out spices, and then like a little bit of butter. And those are all on a tray and they live on a tray and that gets just like wiped down once a week or as needed. But also in addition to my cutting board, I have our compost bin and Rachel Ray really popularized the idea of a garbage bowl. Yes. But I think if you like don't compost and maybe your garbage can is like all the way on the other side side of your kitchen, one of the things you can do to clean as you go is have some sort of corral for trash, kitchen scraps, whatever it may be. <laughs> I have like kind of a bad, funny habit that I picked up from my mom. It's one of those things where when I do it, I'm like, oh, Luella, I feel her in the room, <laughs> even though she's alive <laughs> and well, <laughs> which is if there's wrapping from cooking, it just all goes in the empty side of the sink as I'm cooking so that when I have a beat in cooking, I can then like gather all the trash up and put it in the trash at one time rather than having to constantly reach under my sink and throw trash away. And that keeps it kind of like out of sight and off of the kitchen counter. So setting up your kitchen to help you clean as you go, I think, is paramount. I want to say, though, about the setting up the kitchen, I totally agree with you. I just really don't like having a lot of stuff out on my counters. So I'll do that at the beginning of a recipe. 
So yeah. like, you know, I'll just quickly like pull out my olive oil, my salt, my the spices I need, and I'll have them next to my cooktop. And they'll be there for the duration of my cooking. And then I put them away. So I'm in total agreement, though, that like understanding yeah, what you're going to need and having it out. It's organization, it's confidence, it's speed. But in terms of cleaning, it also really is about like dirty hands, splatter, like you're containing where your mess is. <laughs> you know, your dirty hands aren't on like every single cabinet multiple times. And that reduces the amount that you have to clean. One thousand percent. Yes. Okay. Second thing is I said this bef- like I've said this many times. <laughs> That I really do like the kitchen to be cleaned up to a point before I start cooking. So usually that's like the dishwasher is empty or it has dirties in it. And the sink, we have a two compartment sink. So I prefer that it be pretty much cleaned out of dirty dishes. Like those dirty dishes are in the dishwasher. So that way I have like one clean side of the sink if I need to drain anything, if I need to throw my trash in there. And then I do like to fill the other side of the sink up with hot soapy water. So things that get sticky. Or pots and pans that like need to soak can go right into that as I need them. I know that that sounds like very, it's kind of like old news, right? Like a lot of people recommend that. We talk, we've, I've written about it for kitchen even when you're like hosting Thanksgiving. It's one of the things that makes your job of cleaning up easier. But it is, it is really true. Like having a little bit of hot soapy water is very helpful. And you know what? Restaurants do that. They just have like little buckets of sanitizer with, a side towel in it underneath their workstations. So when something is messy, they can reach right in there and clean it up. And it's sort of like in line with what Taryn was saying. Have your all-purpose cleaner and a towel out. So as messes are created, you can clean them up quickly so they're not getting sticky, getting worse, and getting more cooked on. It's so funny because I used to do that and Mike has asked me to stop doing it. Wait, why? Yeah, Mike doesn't like because he really believes that the dishwasher does a good job. Like if you have a fairly recent, I don't even think it needs to be like super modern, brand new. He's like, dishwashers do a good job. He thinks that I waste soap and water by cleaning things too well before they go into the dishwasher. He thinks it's unnecessary. And he likes to like start his like post-dinner cleanup with the sink empty. We only have a one bin sink and he feels Mm -hmm. like it takes too much room. Like sometimes I'll think I'm helping him and I'll move the pot into the sink and fill it with water so that it soaks. And it annoys him that the sink is taken up with this pot. He's like, just don't, you like, you don't need to do that. Like, yeah. just don't do that. Sometimes if it's a really bad mess, like I'll fill the pot with water and then I'll put it back on the cooktop to rest and soak there just so that the sink is empty for him. But yeah. he thinks it's totally unnecessary. I think Isn't that some crazy? Is that like personal? <laughs> it's not crazy. It's personal preference. It's it's kitchen composition, right? Like we actually have a mini size dishwasher in our Boise oh. house. So like 50% of our dishes don't go in the dishwasher, like pots and pans and stuff. They have to be scrubbed. Um, and again, we have a two compartment sink and you have a one compartment sink. So I can get behind that. And I think that's also like why those like tub basin kind of things that sit inside of your sink were invented they've been popular for like hundreds of years those little wash tubs yes totally so that you can like wash things or soak things without having to like take up the whole sink 
or also outside of the sink, like on the kitchen counter next to it. That's really funny, though, that he's like, no. Yeah, he's like, will you stop? Just don't it's do it really that not. He's like, nothing <laughs> needs to soak. Like, every once in a while, a pot needs to soak. But, like, enough. Like, that's it. Like, things just wash easier. <laughs> like, he'd rather clean up everything and then take the pot, let it soak overnight, and deal with it in the morning. But, again, you're right. It's You have to look at your kitchen composition and what your kind of division of labor is because we run our dishwasher every single night because it's full yeah. every single night. And then in the morning, that's Mike's gig is to unload the dishwasher so that when I feed breakfast, I can just start loading it straight. But like we're a everything straight into the dishwasher kind of family. Yeah, which makes you know? sense for your family, right? Totally, totally. Yeah. Okay, one more thing. And this is, again, that long lead thing of reading through a recipe. I, and this is like a habit I picked up being in doing a lot of food styling is visualize walking through the recipe or cooking through the recipe before you even start and think about leftovers so a lot of times if i'm making a salad and i know that they're gonna be leftovers because let's be honest i'm making a salad mostly for myself my kids are like gonna eat a small serving like literally a handful of whatever the salad is and brian's not gonna eat a lot too so it happens a lot with salad, but there's other things too, where I can finish the dish in a in a leftovers container. So like with the salad, all I will not get out a glass mixing bowl to toss it with the dressing. I will get out a glass storage container to mix it. And then that way I'm not dirt, double dirtying a bowl if I don't need to. I'm just dirtying the leftovers container. And then after everyone's served, I can like pop the lid right on it and stick it in the fridge. That's my last little tip. You know, it really feels like it's less about giving people specific cleaning tips and more about thinking about efficiencies based yes. on how you work, right? Just like knowing where you can actually reduce cleaning because cleaning is going to be inevitable. And depending on the recipe, you're not always going to be able to clean exactly as you go or, you know, get everything done before, you know, in the time that you cook dinner. But if you are efficient and you do what you can to reduce the mess in the first place, then cleaning isn't so overwhelming. Yeah. Do you feel like there are recipe cues that we haven't talked about that give you a sense or give the cook a sense of like, mm, that's a good here, question. here's a pause or here is like some inactive time where you could do a little bit of cleanup. Meanwhile is like the one that I think of the most. But Which is like, meanwhile usually means that there is time, but we're asking you to do something else in that time. And yeah. I wonder if for less experienced cooks, that other task we're asking you to do is actually going to take that time. Something you can do is go through a recipe and anytime you see in the meantime, see if yes. that's something you can do as prep. And then when you're actually cooking and you hit in the meantime, you know you've created some space for yourself, some free time, because that chopping they're going to ask you to do in the meantime, you've already done it. And that's a moment where you can take five minutes to like wipe down your counters, put anything that you're done with right into the dishwasher, et cetera. Yeah. Also, I think it's important to know, and I can't believe we didn't talk about this more in our like how to find a great recipe episode, which is a lot of times a paragraph break in a recipe is 
is actually like a pause in the recipe or a place where you could pause. Like, okay, you can preheat the oven and then you could pause and do your prep if you wanted to and then move on to the next step, which might be the pan prep or which might be chopping up vegetables. But I think that's also a visual cue. Like if you see a step in a recipe that's like a really long paragraph, they do not want you to stop. Correct. When you're, <laughs> when you're doing that step. So make sure that hustle, everything, hustle, hustle, hustle. <laughs> everything you need for that step is like around you. I'm thinking right now about biscuits, obviously, because we just talked about it. Yeah. But like once you have the biscuits out on the counter, it's go time. Like you can't yes, stop. Oh, I don't totally. want you to stop and wash your hands. You need to have your biscuit cutter ready. You need to have your pan ready to go. Like That's all one step, baby. Let's do it. And that also brings me to actual cook time. You know, some things are real quick, like a stir fry or quickly sauteed chicken cutlets. You know, I don't know. There are some things that it's just like one, two, three, they cook quickly. But if you're doing a sheet pan meal and you're putting something in the oven, if you're baking biscuits, like during that cook time, I think this kind of goes without saying that is when people mostly tend to start their kitchen cleanup. But don't be fussy. I have seen, I'm thinking about Mike right now and just being more (laughs) of a new cook. He doesn't trust that he really can, like it's cooking. Like you really can take a minute to relax, like just breathe. You don't have to watch it. Like you don't have to flip it. Like you don't, you know, set timers. Cause that is one thing that happens to me is that I often don't set timers anymore because I don't know. Things are just so on autopilot and I use my nose a lot and I like can, can just like quickly Listen, look. I'm literally the worst about using timers. Like I yeah. use more timers for my kids screen time than I do. Oh, for totally. <laughs> totally. Unless I'm testing a recipe, I'm like, I'll smell it when it's done. I'm totally. right here. A hundred percent. Or like I'll done. just peek at it and I'm like, mm, it needs another second. My but body knows how much time. A hundred percent. I mean, not biscuits for me, but anyway. But yes. 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 So, but use timers. And when you're using that timer, like really let your mind go to something else. Like the chicken's going to be fine. Just use your timer. If you're worried or you found that like you burn stuff really easily or your oven runs hot, then set the timer for a little less. But a timer can actually give you a moment to break from the cooking so you can think clearly without being anxious about doing something else. And maybe that something else is going to be cleaning as you go. Maybe it'll be drinking wine. I don't know. That's up to you. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. I've Maybe never been a little bit of both. About a sink side cocktail. There you, know you go. <laughs> but with that, I feel like we should take our cleaning as you go questions to our listeners group. We definitely should. So you guys, make sure you are subscribed to our newsletter. There you're going to get an exclusive recipe and our pick of the week every single week. And sometimes when there aren't recipes, we decide to do giveaways instead. So that's a good reason to follow us. You can subscribe at didn'tijustfeedyou.com or follow the link in our Instagram bio. Yo, speaking of Instagram, you can find us there and on (laughs) Facebook as at didn'tijustfeedyou. Just keep in mind that the real Facebook fun is happening in that private listeners community. The answer to be let in is whiskey. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you get your podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. 
a humongous thank you to our beloved editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well-fed. Until next week. Don't yuck on other people's yum. <laughs> <laughs>